Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev, episode number 78. Chris, it's been almost two weeks. What yes. what happened? Our listeners are, are so angry. <laughs> uh, you you left. That's what happened. <laughs> yes, it, it, yeah, it's my fault. I'm sorry. You, you went on vacation. Uh, but it was good. Uh, it's the summer, so I had a bit of a vacation as well. Um, I did some things, but yeah, uh, my kids went to camps, and, and I did various summer activities. So it was it was good on my end as well. Cool. Uh, I have a, I have a, I'm of two minds of taking time off. The first is like, you only get one life and it's important to experience it. And at the same time, like there's stuff I'm trying to get done and <laughs> projects I'm trying to push forward. And, uh, I think I had a really good balance this trip of getting enough stuff done that I didn't feel listless while also being very present and getting to explore Greece and, uh, being fully present at the wedding. Uh, with jet lag, I had this really weird situation where I was waking up at like three in the morning and mm -hmm. couldn't go back to bed but then at like you know four or five p.m i would have to nap and then i would nap for like four hours and then i'd be up for another few hours so within that there were a lot of hours where i could like work on stuff uh so that was nice had a, a small takeaway from greece we uh sarah booked us this cooking class in this remote village and uh it was this house that had been in the family for like five generations and the garden had been tended to by this woman's like great grandfather and uh, everything in the cooking class, she was like, oh yeah, this is goat's milk from our neighbor that we got. And like, these are tomatoes and cucumbers that we got from that garden right there. And uh, it was just so cool. And like the recipe we were making was the recipe that had been handed down through generations. And I was just struck with this feeling of like, man, I think this is how humans are supposed to live. Instead of like, man, the, the life that I'm living is so different than the life my parents lived and completely different than the life my grandparents lived. And here this woman is like, in the same place, using the same things, making the same food um, as her great, great, great grandparents did. And there's something beautiful about that. Um, and at the same time, I think if I were in an environment like that, I would go crazy. I, like I, I seek novelty so much, um, but I, I do feel like I'm missing more of that groundedness and uh, tradition and like that I'd like to incorporate more of that in my life. That was my main takeaway from Greece. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it might be because I live in Indiana, but I know more than one software developer who's quit to run a goat farm. <laughs> 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 or I think one was chickens. Chicken, one chicken, one was goats. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think people sometimes, yeah, feel that pull back to, uh, you know, going back to a simpler sort of existence. Uh, yeah, but I, I totally I would, get it. I would miss computers. So yeah, yeah, same. I'm not, I'm not ready for goat farming yet like this technology is still so cool <laughs> like we're getting vr glasses pretty soon and that's gonna be wild and like Neuralink and uh man you know teslas are sure are cool um yeah but there's there is something like deeply spiritually grounding about like you know the food you're eating is real food that came from over there and like you grew it yourself and I don't want to completely change my life, but I would like to incorporate more of those elements into my life. Um, we've been out for two weeks. I have a lot of things that I would like to talk to you about. Uh, you have one big thing that we can't talk about yet. Uh, yes. And then and then some other things too. So what uh, what did you get up to over these last two weeks? Um, I uh, got to inbox zero, which is important because uh, I had a email in my inbox since the Slack app store sent me the uh, reject, not rejection, the uh, do these things before you can resubmit Acorn chat. Yes. And I finished that today. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. I resubmitted to the Slack app store. Uh, and so it's another two week wait, I think. But mm. yeah, I finished all the things they told me to, to fix, which didn't take very long. But uh, I 
had a two-week break in there. <laughs> so uh, yes, I'm now done with that, and that's submitted. So that is exciting. Fantastic. And you, Congratulations. And you were the one who forced me to do it, and so thank you. For <laughs> I was. I'm so mean, and <laughs> you you did this for me all the time. Uh, a testament to co-working, right? Like, yeah. It's so easy from an external perspective to be like, okay, this is a thing you've been stuck on for a long time. It's not going to take you that much work. This would have like a meaningful impact on your life. Why don't you just do that first? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I totally get that internally, like feeling that pull towards that, like, just like little tiny bits of resistance. And like, you know, I'm sure in your head you, you had some idea of like, well, there's this unknown about this project and it might take a really long time. But uh, if you just have someone there just like slightly nudging you of like, no, this, this is a thing that I think you want to do over the long term. That's sometimes what it takes to actually do it. I'm so happy for you. Uh, well done. Good job. Um, Thanks. I'm excited to be able to use this. I think we, we talked about this uh, one of the last times we talked about Acorn Chat, but I, I think this is something that I'd like to integrate into my site um, specifically. So like I'm going to install Slack for this, um, but specifically what I'd like to be doing is experimenting with if if there is live chat on my site and I just have set up that like anytime I'm on my computer, I can be interrupted by users who are asking me sales sorts of questions. Um, does that meaningfully impact conversions? Because that would seem like a really good way to trade time for higher MRR, um, especially if I have a really low threshold for like, would you like to hop on a video call and, and I can walk you through how to do this or something. Um, so that's, that's gonna be a marketing experiment I do. Uh, I'm excited to be able to install it. You think like around two weeks I'll be able to do it? You can actually do it today if you want. Oh, to. yes. Uh, you can. Yeah, you can. If you just go directly to my site, you can actually uh, do it without it being in the Slack app store. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll do that today then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. For listeners, if you go to, uh, is it acorn.chat? Acornchat.com. Acornchat.com. Maybe I should um, buy acorn.chat also. I don't know if that. I don't know if .chat is a, is a TLD. Me, uh, I, I imagine. But yeah. Acornchat.com, you can get live chat similar to, uh, oh, not Discord. What's the? Uh, similar to Intercom. Intercom, uh, that's right. Similar to 0.01% of Intercom's features. <laughs> Intercom does yes. a ton. So, yeah. If you just want the live chat features, this is a, yeah. and you use Slack, this is a much better way to do it. Um, and easier to set up and way cheaper. I think Intercom yes, can charge cheaper. easily like $1,000 a month if you uh, get going Once on it. Kind of big, yeah. Cool. Congratulations. Uh, what else? Do you uh, usually have AI competition uh, yes. stuff going on? Yeah. So the patent competition finished up, and we got uh, 24th place out of almost 2,000, okay. um, which is good, but it's a silver medal, not a gold medal. <sighs> so we, I was so confident, and then everyone started passing us, and we were like, there's some trick, and we don't know it, and there was. There was a trick. I uh, see. Listeners, we did not figure out the trick. So um, that's okay. It's still a silver medal. I really wanted a gold one, but that's okay. I learned a lot. <laughs> And it was a neat thing. So, do you know what the trick is now? Can you talk about it? <laughs> yes. <coughs> yeah, I can talk all about it now. So, um, yeah. Again, one thing that's great about Kaggle is the winners like post their solutions, and so that's really uh, neat to learn from. So, uh, if you will remember what the competition is, um, there are patent applications that come in, and what the patent office wants to do is uh, find basically like essentially synonym phrases and so like if you have the term um like abating and act of abating those are like very similar um and they're similar in a certain context and so the contexts are these like categories so like agriculture uh, information technology you know um they're more fine-grained than that but and so like certain word pairs are similar in certain contexts and not in other contexts 
So that's the whole thing is you, you just need to predict if word or phrase pairs are similar or not from zero to one. Okay, so that's the setup. Uh, what we did is we compared the phrase pairs in a given context. What the winners figured out is that what the data actually looked like was a bunch of called these, uh, the first phrases are called anchors and they were, a lot of them were the same. So you'd have the word abating as an anchor like 20 times and then you'd have like 20 different targets for different contexts and you had to figure out if they were similar or not. So what the winning team did is they took all of the targets for the same anchor and they also appended those to the word model. And so the idea is that the humans chose those targets for some reason and the model was able to use the extra information found in that group of targets as information. And that might be a little confusing, but you, uh, that's you lost the way, me, you lost me about works. three sentences ago. So okay, you, sorry. <laughs> so I, I understand you have, uh, the, the, the goal of this competition is you're trying to, given, given uh, uh, a word pair, so mm -hmm. like uh, abating and active abating, or, or abate and active yep. abating, uh, you're given those two things as input. Your output is how similar are they from zero to one? So yep. those two within a context where those are exactly the same thing, you would output a score very close to one. Yep. So very similar. Okay. Uh, and then you started talking about word targets. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. So the first phrase is called the anchor. So that's okay. like what they called it. And the second phrase is called the target. Okay. So you the, can just the, think like phrase so, A and phrase B basically. Yes. Yes. Anchor yes. Target. Okay. Yep. And the way the data was set up was there were several, or there were several targets for every anchor. So there'd be like twenty, or like the the top twenty rows were all the anchor was all abating, mm -hmm. and that's what that's that's a hard word to say, but it's because it was the top. So I always looked at the top. Of the, anyway, so abating, and then the the targets were all different, mm -hmm. and so the insight was that humans picked those targets to go with that anchor for some reason mm -hmm. that the word model is able to figure out. So you can take all the targets for that particular anchor and stick it onto the end of the word model or at the end of the phrase you send into the word model. Mm -hmm. And that, and the word model is able to figure something out about that. Okay, so the, the training data that you got listed the two, you, you have two arguments going into this scoring function. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of them is called the anchor. That's the first argument. The other one's called the target. Yep. So uh, the very first one in the, in the top row might be like abating and uh, something else starting with an A. Yeah. Um, so abating is the first argument. That's the anchor. Mm -hmm. And then the second uh, argument is the target. So the, the insight that the winning teams had was those two phrases being in the testing data had information in itself. So you can learn from the fact that these two things are being tested yeah exactly yeah okay um which to be clear so i should back up uh our our approach got a score of like a 0.86 and that's not important what that means but it's a, of out of one basically okay. and the winning score is like 0.87 so this is like just tiny little differences and okay, so like okay. we, we got like you know world-class results ourselves it's just the the winners which is happens in most cattle competitions the winners just found a little extra signal that we yeah. didn't find which yeah, was yeah. this the fact that these targets were actually picked by a human uh and that means something. So I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, so they were, they were just able to squeeze a little tiny bit more right. training data out of the training right. data, knowing that knowing that those terms were picked by humans. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which seems kind of like gaming the system. Which like this yes. this is sort of a, a 
Oh, we, we talked before about like what a real world solution would look like versus a, a CAGO solution. This feels much more like the code golfy type of thing. Of exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other thing we did, we, we ensembled 10 different models together, but just one of our models could have gotten us like 98% of the way there. So in the real world, you would pick your best model and just use that. Just one best model. Yep. In the Kaggle world, you ensemble 10 of them and you have to have found this trick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what all the top like seven teams did. Yeah. Interesting. This has got me thinking more about like, how might a more useful Kaggle uh, be structured? What if if you were to design a Kaggle that wasn't that, that like looked more long term or like that was more generically useful? Uh, what what might that look like? Yeah, so I have a kind of answer for that too, which is they're running a competition now, another one, um, and this is a sequel to the feedback competition, which was the um, the essay competition that I talked about before. So this is using the same data but a different uh, different thing. It's basically actually scoring the, the data now, whereas before it was classifying it. And so that's just the main competition, but in parallel they're running the separate track, which is a, an efficiency score. And so if you do well, uh, but you also are super efficient then you get there's extra different prizes for that mm. and so that's where if you have one really good model that will score really well in the efficiency score mm. which is what you really care about in real world you know use cases mm. um but they're still running it in parallel with the you know the regular track which is where people will probably use big ensembles and stuff like that sure so um, that's one way they're trying to do it is run these this efficiency sort of track in parallel I like that. I think another difference between Kaggle and real world that we talked about was uh, like simplicity of the model. If it's if it's easier to maintain, that's yep. better in the real world, but worse in Kaggle. Is there a way that you could reward simplicity in Kaggle competitions? Yeah, one way they do that is uh, so for these code competitions, they only give you like nine hours of inference time. Um, if they cut that to like one hour of inference time, mm. then it would have to be super simple. Like you, you, you know, I mean, based on your data, but it would have to be you know, it, nine times less complex basically than mm. whatever you submit. So yeah, that's one way you can do it is by limiting, severely limiting the amount of inference time you have, okay. um, which requires then simple models. Okay. Interesting. Or you could do like, you could, you could limit like size, upload size, for example, like these big models are like two, the one I was using was like 2.7 gigabytes times four folds times 10 models roughly. So it was, it was huge. <laughs> it was like over a hundred gigs. Mm. Um, so if you limit that to like one gig, then it'd have to be super, super simple. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see how this evolves. Like, I'm reminded of uh, in school, like when taking the SAT or ACT, I think when those tests were first introduced, there was this idea that like, oh, don't study for it because this is just testing like your innate intelligence or something. Uh, and then of course, the first thing people do is try to figure out how to game the system yep. and like take SAT and ACT prep courses. Uh, and now it, it is very much just about like how much have you practiced taking this test in particular? Yep. Um, like you, so, so you've, you've kind of, you're now you're merely testing how good are you at taking this test as opposed to the underlying thing that you're trying to test of like, well, you know, how successful are you going to be in college or something? And that's, right. that's, that's much more difficult to test. Um, Which, yeah, it, it, it seems like a classic problem. Yeah, in that in that case, it's actually kind of interesting because even though you're now testing how well you can take the test, that's kind of a skill you need for college anyway. And so then yeah. the and then the question is, okay, is college actually a good thing for the real world? Because yeah, yeah. if you're just learning to take the tests in college too, then maybe that's actually not. So yeah, it's sort of 
it has a funny alignment there i think hmm. yeah i'd love if <laughs> i guess the closer you can get to what you're actually trying to get done right in testing is a better test um like in a job interview if you're if you're like if you can test the person actually doing the job uh that's a better test than like can you you know do this whiteboard algorithm of yeah uh okay cool uh any other kaggle things lined up i know i think you said you were two or three golds away from getting grandmaster yeah th three still i, I three was hoping still. to be two but yeah three still okay. um i'm do i'm working on a couple of them now the gps one which i haven't had as much time to work on as i want uh i'm in like a hundred and something's place now because someone submitted a thing a, a we talked about this last time but it happened again that someone submitted a notebook better than my score and so Ugh. i was like 20th again and now i'm like 100 something <laughs> So now I have to update that again. I really, I mean, I really just need to spend a bunch of time on it if I want to do well on mm -hmm. that one. Um, and then another one, which is interesting, which was a reinforcement learning one. So this is a game, uh, a game designed to be played by computers. And then you have to make a computer program that can play the game. Um, and there's, that's basically the prompt. You can do that with just hard coded rules. So like you could create rules as a human, or you could use like reinforcement learning, which is like basically the ability for uh, an AI, so a neural network to get better by just playing the game. So it plays the game, it gets input about how it did, and then it, you have a training loop set up like that. Um, so I worked on that a little bit. Uh, I found out I'm bad at reinforcement learning, <laughs> which uh, means I have to probably just do it more. Um, but it was very interesting to get that working. So that was kind of neat. Um, so yeah, I've been working on a couple of those. Cool. I like the game one. That you, yeah. you sent me one. Uh, you, you sent me that one, and I was looking yeah. at it, and it looks, it looks really cool. I like it. Um, sort of like a mini Starcraft where there's little <laughs> spaceships going out and collecting yep. resources and uh, they can fight other things and they can invest resources in reproducing and yep. uh, it's, a, it's a cool game. Um, you said you were bad at reinforcement learning. What? Uh, it, I mean, I tried it and it didn't work at all. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, like reinforcement learning, I know, I, I have some experience with it in the past and I know like um, there's a fine line between it not working at all and it's suddenly just working and you only get like figure out where the line is by doing a lot of testing and like making sure your problem is set up right and everything. And so it's just, it's really fiddly work. It's compared to uh, just regular neural network stuff. Um, okay. It's also what makes it hard is you don't know if it's working or not until your game is played, you know, like thousands of games, hmm. um, which takes a long time because the simulator is, you know, CPU bound. It's not like a GPU training set that you can use. Um, it's just like a regular computer program. So it takes a long time to figure out if what you did even works or not. Yeah. I'm realizing as you're explaining this, I thought I knew what reinforcement learning was, and I don't think I actually do. I think it has to do with like giving a computer a score of how well they're doing in the moment. Yep. Yeah. So reinforcement learning is a broad term for many different techniques, but the idea is you have a neural network somewhere in there, and it makes actions in a space. So your space in this case is the game simulator, mm -hmm. and then it gets a reward back, which might be immediate. So it might be like this you know, I did this, this turn and it reduced my ship count. And so that was bad or it mm. increased my ship count. So that's good. So that's like one thing, or it might be, you have to wait to the very end of the game to see who wins. Mm. And that's where it's really tricky because like, if you take 400 actions and then at the end of the game, you won, how do you know, like which, or at the end of the game you lost, say, how do you know which of those actions was bad? It may only be that one of those actions was the bad one and the rest yeah, were yeah. good. And so that, um, there's lots of ways to deal with that, but that's the basic thing. So you take a bunch of actions, you get a reward and then you, try to do more of the actions that got you good rewards gotcha okay I, I could see that being useful for 
something like solving chess, but then you would run into the problem of like, what if you're in a position where you could sacrifice your queen to win the game? Right. Sacrificing the queen seems bad because losing the queen is bad, but that actually moves you closer towards winning the whole game, which is much more important than keeping your queen. Um, yep. And this is okay. actually exactly how DeepMind solved chess and Go. It was mm. with reinforcement learning. Yep. Cool. Can we just take a second? How, like, <laughs> 20 years ago, if we were just casually talking about, like, oh, yeah, there's this, you know, machine learning algorithm that just, yeah, it solved chess and Go, and it's the same one. 20 years ago, if you told me that, I would have been like, oh, so we have gener general artificial intelligence <laughs> <Right>. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and also there's related networks that can drive cars. Like, that's where we are right now. That's the world we're living in, and that's wild. Uh, it's it's really cool. Uh, it's it feels strange that it is just normal that like oh yeah you know no no human alive will ever in the future beat a computer at chess. Uh, yeah, wild or go and like right now humans are better at computers than driving cars, and the clock is ticking on that. Like it's. There, there are already some circumstances where cars drive better. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, let's relish while we can uh, our driving superiority over computers. Uh, man, the future's future's weird. Yep. Uh, cool. I have several things that I want to talk with you about. Cool. Uh, first, some just like life updates. Uh, so flew to flew to Greece for a wedding, um, and then had a layover in London, and then came back to Boston, and we're here in Boston so that Sarah can take a class through Harvard in psychology. Uh, for the next two and a half weeks check into the airbnb here it's a shared airbnb there's two other people living here and uh on day two or three of being here sarah well i i woke up and i was like ah i've got kind of a sore throat and sarah was mm. like oh no i also have a sore throat <laughs> what if it's covid and i was like oh sarah we don't have covid we both have the vaccine and i've already had covid so i have like boosted immunity but just in case, like, all right, let me look up how to get a COVID test because, you know, you have to go to this class in person. And they were talking about how they don't want people who have COVID to, to go and get it in person. Uh, so fine. So I looked up and we don't have a car here. So I was like, ah, you know, going to this other place and we'll have to get an Uber. And if we do have COVID, then I'd feel bad about getting an Uber. So uh, let me call my friend who is an uh, emergency physician uh, locally and see if he has any COVID tests on hand. Uh, and he did. So he drove over and... Uh, gave me the COVID test and he showed up in a mask and I was like, Oh, I should probably be wearing a mask too. <laughs> like just in case. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sarah came down and she already had a mask. It was like, Christian, where's your mask? And I was like, Oh, sorry. Uh, and Sarah took the COVID test and it was positive. And, uh, yeah, so we yeah. have COVID again. Uh, and I'm on day, uh, four of that. I think, um, this is so much more mild. Uh, my friend Luke thinks it's the Omicron variant, which yeah. I think is more virulent, but less like your your symptoms aren't as bad. So the first yep. time I had it, like I couldn't get out of bed for like two days um, and I lost my sense of smell and it was, it was like a really, really bad flu. And this one's like a mild cold. Like I was kind of achy for the first two days. I had a headache for the first two days. Uh, but like the second day I went on a three hour hike and it was just like a little more strenuous than it usually was. Um, socially distanced and wearing a mask and very safe and stuff. Uh, and on day four, like I'm a little sniffly and I have a little cough, uh, but like still getting work done, uh, still exercising. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's much more chill than the first one was, but uh, I, I, <laughs> I guess I'm collecting all of the variants of COVID now. <laughs> um, Got it. That's, uh, 
Yes. <laughs> um, so that's the that's the first little thing. Uh, well, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had to miss out on some stuff that we had planned. Oh, there's such a cool. There's a place in Boston called Bodaborg. It's this like speed run uh, escape room that mm. I went to last time I went to visit my friend Luke up here. So much fun. You you have two hours and they have like. 30 different escape rooms and they're all oh, time based cool. so you just like you you run through them and as soon as you make a mistake you have to leave the room so you're just like grinding through these rooms over and over and in two hours most people get like four of them done or something but oh my god it was like the most fun i would ever had so we were planning on doing that but then i got covid now i can't do it so <laughs> i'm uh it's possible that we'll start testing negative tomorrow uh especially with how like symptoms have been going so i'm really hoping that that happens before uh the the trip is over so we can we can go there, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be very sad if uh, we we also had to cancel that. Uh, your family, I think, still like no one has actually gotten COVID. You've had a few scares of things, but you as far as we know, it. yeah, I mean, we've been sick and but we've tested and it's been negative. So okay. uh, it either wasn't or we tested negative, which is something that I guess happens sometimes. So okay. yeah, so far so good. I'm uh, envious of that, and also personally, anecdotally, like COVID's not that bad. I don't know if I'm, I, I, I'm relatively healthy. But... Well, it's it's not that bad unless it is. Like anyone with long COVID sure. will tell you, like, it, yeah. So that I mean, that's mostly what I'm scared of now. Is like I'm, yeah, we'll say relatively healthy, <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, getting long COVID scares me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for Omicron, the rates of long COVID are higher, um, and long mm-hmm. COVID is still something that's not very well understood. Right. Um, yeah. So hopefully, I don't get that. I don't think I had. I felt like just sort of vaguely lethargic for the couple of weeks after I had it the first time, but yeah. I think I'm already feeling better than I did like several weeks after having it the first time. So cool. I'm, uh, I'm feeling uh, optimistic and yeah, it's it's not as bad as it was the first time. Uh, cool, that was the first thing. Second, two things are two books that I read while traveling that I would love to talk with you about. The first one is a book that just came out, Building a Second Brain by Diego Forte, who for several years has run a online class of the same name. Uh, are you familiar with Building a Second Brain or Tiago Forte? I I might follow him on Twitter. I've seen this on Twitter, uh, and so I at least follow people who like his stuff <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, it, it seems very interesting. It's basically, tell me if I'm wrong, it's like how to get everything in your brain out into a place where you can then search for it easily later. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's uh, that's what it's about. If I if I could phrase that differently, it's, it's a book about... Uh, it's, it's a system of... Uh, knowledge asset management so like systematizing from the moment when you have an idea to the moment when you have some sort of a creative output at the end of it Hmm. uh streamlining that whole process making sure that like you can capture it no matter where it comes from making sure that that information gets organized in a way that's low friction and also useful and delivered to you when you need it. Um, and then like the things that you do with those notes once you have them to be able to restructure them into uh, some sort of a creative output of like a song or a, a book or something else, an article. Um, oh, there's a there's a quote from the book that I keep coming back to of, um, he talks about how Taylor Swift has a very similar system for writing her songs. Uh, she has several documentaries about her songwriting process and she carries her phone with her all the time and she's constantly writing notes of just ideas that pop into her head. And uh, in one of the documentaries, she talks about how she had this uh, realization after a breakup that there's really only two outcomes for being in a relationship. Either uh, it lasts forever and you guys are really happy and get married and then die together or 
uh, it explodes. <laughs> um, and, uh, the, at the time, she the realization she had was like, it's kind of strange that those are only your two choices. Uh, and then in the song Blank Space, one of the lyrics is, so it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. And that's just like one little tidbit of a, of a lyric that right. hearing that and thinking about it now, it like gives me chills of like, what a cool little lyric to have in this song. That's, you know, one of 30 ideas in this song. Uh, but if you just do that 30 times and you have all these little snippets of ideas and you can pull them all together, uh, that's how you write the song. That now I, I checked on YouTube. I think it has something like 3 billion views. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. That like, it, it's not... the the Her process in doing that is just collecting things a little bit better and like having a system of being able to, to remix them. Jerry Seinfeld is a, a very similar system. Um, but it, it's got me in this mind frame of rethinking all of my digital knowledge management stuff from collection to organization to uh, actually producing things. And that has me uh, revitalizing a few of these like knowledge management processes um, that I've been thinking about. Uh, so uh, question for you is like uh, general thoughts about the, the digital knowledge management thing. And also I'd love to, I'd love to hear about your process of that. Like when you have an idea or when you hear a reference from someone what happens to that information? Where do you capture it and, and where does it go from there? Yeah, so several thoughts. The first is like one of the reasons Taylor Swift is so popular, I guess, is one, she has pop music and so like that is going to make her more popular, like just the style of her music, but also mm. like she's really authentic. Like she writes her own lyrics, right? Mm. And she pulls from real experience and stuff. And so I think there's a lesson there that we can learn too. Like if we want, like the more authentic we are, uh, you know, in SAS, like we're trying to be, or just in general, like the more... And popularity is not a great thing to strive for, I think. But the more, I don't know, the more success you'll have, right? The more authentic you are. Um, so anyway, that's an interesting uh, takeaway from that. Hmm. Um, my process. So I uh, I use pen and paper a lot, actually. Uh, I like that. And then for things I want to last longer than pen and paper, I, and I have this, so I basically go everywhere with one of these composition notebook things hmm. um, and write down a lot of stuff in that. And then I move it into the notes app. Um, and I do that because it syncs to my phone. And so that like, if I'm at a conference or something, I can use my phone to write a note in the notes app and that syncs back to my computer. Um, and that's it. Like I don't, um, I have tried more complicated things before, but like basically having a big giant note where I keep most of my stuff is, is, uh, that's what I do. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm optimizing for ease of input hmm. and then I can always search it later. Um, yeah, that's what I do. I love the simplicity of that. Is it? Did I hear you correctly that it's, it's everything eventually flows into a single note in the notes app? E, well, so yes, but there, like, I have thirty something notes for different. Like, I tend to break them up by project. So I have mm. a note where I enter everything, and then a lot of stuff just stays in that note. So that note is like, if I print it out, it'd be like a hundred pages long by now. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I will take things from that and paste them into the other notes, which are specifically for the different either areas of my life or projects. So mm. like I have one for the house and one for all the different sasses I have and one mm. for like courses, course ideas and stuff. So, um, so that is a little, makes it a little easier to go find things. Yeah. Mm. Cool. I like the simplicity of that. I, um, my, my base system is more complicated than that. And I think reading this book has gotten me more in the mind frame of, pulling towards the simplicity um i would encourage you and like anyone listening to this that tiago makes this argument that like 
basically uh, everyone can benefit from this because 60% of the workforce is some sort of a knowledge worker where uh, the, the majority of your assets are in your knowledge. And so if, if you're investing in a system to be able to better manage your knowledge, that has all these untold benefits of you can compound the, the value of that and uh, you're going to be working so much faster. He has the statistic of uh, the number of hours people spend just looking for information per day. Um, and so if you're systematizing that, okay, that's that's speeding up the, the uh, retrieval and the writing process. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage you to read it because uh, like if you get a single tip from this of just a little tweak of, oh, you know, I... I can I can categorize these things in, in this slightly different way, and that's going to speed it up a little bit more. Um, a single tip will, you know, easily pay for the energy that you invested in in reading the book and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, so I'll say I've done that a little bit, kind of. Okay. So when I will do work for clients, I don't want to keep that in a notes app that syncs like to my phone and stuff. So I keep that in, those in separate text files. So mm. like for my longest client, I had this text file, and it was a really long file. But for every section, I would have a header with a unique word that I knew was like not anywhere else in that document. Mm. So like every time I wanted to deploy, for example, for this one client, I would open up it's uh, notes.txt, which mm-hmm. is on my desktop, and I would search for deploy uh, or pound deploy, which was the header name. Mm. And uh, then I'd go right to the deploy thing, which is, you know, the, the 10 steps or whatever that I had to do before I deployed. Um, mm. And so that's sort of how I organize that, which is, yeah, so just super simple. Yeah. Mm. Find, find, and I all my headers were unique. And so that's how I did that. That's a really good system. Um, I have something similar with, uh, but I, I have just like one giant folder with a bunch of text files in it mm-hmm. um, that I open up with Sublime. And so I, I have like instructions to myself for doing things like, you know, deploying a Rails app on Doku or something. Uh, so I can just command P in Sublime and search for uh, deploy Doku and it finds that file and then I'm able to jump straight to it. Um, I think the, my, my, my argument for getting you to read this book would be like, there's probably going to be five other things like that that are going to help uh, benefit this. And even if you don't get anything from the book, uh, which I think you will, it's a very well-written book and like Forte's thought a lot about this problem, um, merely by putting you in the headspace of like this metacognition of thinking about how you're storing digital things is going to have compounding benefits because I, I love the way he frames <laughs> how valuable this this thing is it is it really is like a second brain and uh really really justifies a, a big investment of, of time and energy into making sure that it's streamlined and yeah um that it's maximized for like uh being able to, to get value back out of it does he talk about file storage at all because that's where i have a huge problem i think like i i my file storage is junk <laughs> like it's like they're everywhere <laughs> it's bad uh did he talk about that at all he mentions so the the book is the book is like a framework of how he recommends treating digital information, and then he talks about how you can use you you can apply the framework in any system. Like you could implement the framework in an email client. You could implement the framework in Evernote. Um, and he says specifically about files that if they're large files that 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 doesn't belong in like your notes app. Um, but I ass- I haven't finished the book yet. Uh, I assume his recommendation would be follow a similar philosophy of this framework of like have a have a spot for uh, you know an archive, have a spot for files that are in active projects. Um, that's my answer. I don't. He, he hasn't talked directly about it yet. 
And I think the answer would be like, take the framework and apply it to files. Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe I should check it out. Cool. Um, something I just want to mention is like, I realized in reading this book that I have a lot of personal projects related to knowledge management that now in reading this book have sort of resurfaced. So like uh, my Zettelkasten system of being able to do automatic backlinks and my tree book system of being able to read books. That's that's the system I'm using to, to read through this book and really just like extract everything out of it. Um, and my flashcard system of being able to like do space repetition so that I remember facts for a long time. Uh, and my long-term goal setting system uh, so I can like track what my goals are longitudinally. And uh, my uh, Briar score so that I can like keep track of how well I'm doing it, uh, making predictions. Uh, like <laughs> it's... I feel like it's a whole category of my work life like stuff that I'm thinking about um, that really does justify putting a lot of time into because if like with a good note taking system that really is expanding the thoughts that I'm able to have and if I can cross link little drips of thoughts of like oh six years ago I had this thought that relationships can only end in one of two ways and now here I am writing this song and I'm, I'm missing a lyric in this one spot if I can successfully deliver that thought from six years ago to write when I need it I'm like a better person capable of better more complicated output um, so I, I I'm in the mind frame of uh, investing more in those systems and uh, getting more of that that sort of output uh, I'll say as yes. a meta point, I love how we started this saying that goat farming is how we should live. And then we <laughs> we are now talking about building a second digital brain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know what my ideal life would look like. like. Like maybe I'm on a farm, but the farm has like fiber internet and I have right. like, and then like while I'm milking the goats, I have an Apple watch on that. Like while I have some insight into, you know, a better way to structure Firebase security rules, I can just turn my wrist over and capture that thought and then keep milking the goat. <laughs> Uh, and then I go back in and I have like my whole battle station of my fancy Apple studio monitor and I, I do that. But then, you know, I go on a nice walk or something. Uh, maybe that's, <laughs> that is, yeah, it's, it's two very different things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I don't claim to be a consistent person. I, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I have, I have some conflicting desires. Uh, there's a second book I read uh, that, that I'm not going to spend as much time on this one, but uh, I thought it was really interesting. It's called On Looking, and it, uh, the author goes on a walk around her block with the intention of writing down everything she sees. Uh, and so it's trash day, and she's walking around, and she notices, like, ah, you know, there are three trash bags over here, and some of the Q-tips have overflowed, and that's gross. Uh, and, ah, I can hear the the uh, garbage trucks going by, and, ah, I see a woman with her dog, and... Um, around on the block and oh, oh the temperature is about this this high and oh you know the sky looks this way and she goes back and she has this whole page of like two pages of notes of all the things she saw she's like all right I feel like I saw pretty much everything and then the rest of the book is her interviewing a dozen different people from different backgrounds and asking them what they see and they all see completely different things and she didn't see any of them mm -hmm. it's things like she interviews an entomologist who's like oh look at this leaf and the the pattern of how this leaf was eaten out that means it was this type of bug that laid its larva here and that's what that means about this type of bug and you know it, it moved in this direction and here's what that means and ah see this other tree it doesn't have nearly as many of its leaves eaten that means this tree is not indigenous to this area because it doesn't have as many pests that are uh, attuned to be able to eat that and then she talks to a geologist and the geologist is like look at all the rock used in this building and like you can see this ancient worm path in this rock and oh this rock was mined in this way 
using this technique that's 60 years old, which means it came from this specific query in this part of the US, and that's right next to this other query that was in Greece, and that's weird. Uh, and then she talks to like, uh, oh, she brings her son out, who's like a one and a half year old, and her son <laughs> is noticing all the shapes, and like her son is anthropomorphizing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's like, I had no idea there were so many circles uh, in, in, in this space. Um, and he, he looks at these pipes coming out of the ground and he, he's treating them as if they're animals. And she's like, wow, he, he like hasn't learned that those aren't animals yet. But who's to say that that's not the correct way to treat them? Um, sound designer she talks to. And the sound designer is like hearing this symphony of sounds that he can be using in, in films and commercials and things uh, from all, all the different soundscapes. She talks to a blind person. The blind person is able to like sense the pressure of things and sense when she's under an awning because of the way that the sound changes and it just it it. I was reading this uh, on the flight to Greece, and I landed and was just like, "Oh my god, there's just so much to look at! Like, there are so many layers to reality." And in thinking more about it, like, I think there's an infinite number of layers. I think there are infinite perspectives. Um, and I I was chewing on that for a while of like, could there really be infinite? Like, <laughs> you know, if you had two sound designers, they'd like, okay, they would they would probably see slightly different things, but they would still be. Uh, seeing roughly the same thing. But I do think it's infinite because if you had a thousand sound designers, I think they would all, like no two of them would tell you that they were perceiving the exact same thing. In the same way that like, if you took all of the cameras in the world and took a picture of the exact same thing, no two of those pictures would be the same. Those would all, even if you took them like from exactly the same perspective, from the same place, they would all be slightly different resolutions. They would all capture the pictures in uh, pixels in a different way. Um, and so I, it, it's, I feel like really good books change how I see reality uh, and this book really did that for me like looking out the window now I I, I can focus on it at like 10 different layers of detail <laughs> like uh, you know there's there's some uh, rain droplets on the window uh, and that's really interesting and might be you know if I knew more about weather I might be able to tell you something about the pattern of raindrops and uh, what that meant about the weather but also I can look at the window and like the type of window that that is and that probably tells me that I'm in a particular part of North America and like uh, the, the way it was installed and uh, I can look through the window at the tree and like if I knew more about trees and botany I could tell you more about that uh, but man it's it's. It, I feel like reading this book has made reality more interesting to me and uh, that feels really cool that, That's that was the second book I wanted to tell you about what's the name of that book again? On Looking On Looking yeah yeah that's cool. That brought up a lot of thoughts. Uh, one is like, um, uh, yeah, totally. Like people see it. Uh, like it might not be infinite, but there's at least more than 8 billion different viewpoints, which is the number of people in the world. And so, yeah, yeah everyone can see it differently, which is crazy. Um, I often think or sometimes think about, so like I've spent the last, you know, 14 years, eight hours a day thinking about computers. Mm. And so when I see something you know, in a, from a tech perspective, like I understand it in a very particular way. Mm -hmm. um, there are people like that for everything. Yeah. Like you said, for rocks, for leaves, for whatever, like there are people with 40 years of experience just looking at leaves. Yep. And, um, and that's crazy to think about, <laughs> like, you know, that, <laughs> like that depth of knowledge is, is yeah, yeah, it's not it's, like, it's, it's cool. Um, yeah, so that's neat. Uh, I think I might have to read that one. That's cool. And it's great to go to read that right before a trip because then yeah. you're like on the trip. First of all, it's a new place. And now you're like a new way to see a new place. And so that's yeah, like yeah. double double cool. Maybe it's too overwhelming. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, you know, even waiting in line at customs. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I could be uh, looking at, you know, the gate of people. One of the people uh, interviewed in this book was a, a physician who was able to look at just the, the way someone was walking. He was able to say like, oh, look, you know, they're, they're hunched over in this way and they're slightly limping on the right foot. And that means they probably have this sort of injury to this vertebrae in their spine. Um, 
yeah, like it's the you know if you're ever bored, you're just not paying attention enough, like because there's there's so much going on uh, all the time. It's it's fascinating. Um, oh, there was one more thought I wanted to say on that, and I don't remember what it was now. Um, oh, the uh, that like for, in the same way that you and I have spent so much time on computers that there's there's someone for like everything that a person could be interested in that has spent an equal amount of time. It's made people much more interesting to me mm. having conversations with them because like like the the uh, old woman who was teaching us how to cook uh, traditional Greek food like man talking talking to her is my opportunity to see the world through her lens and she she is living in a different world than me like she perceives different things when I walk up to her she, she was probably thinking like ah here's like a city boy from the US <laughs> and he doesn't know anything about traditional Greek culture and what it means to live I'll never forget at the end of that dinner. I was just like glowing and we just had like the homemade wine and this whole meal that we just made. And I was like, thank you so much. This is great. And give her a hug. And she gave me a hug and she said, I hope you have a nice life. And I just felt like, <laughs> felt like this warmth in my heart. I'm like, oh my God, this woman hopes I have a nice life. <laughs> it just, it felt like she, she like knew something about living that I, that I like didn't fully understand yet that, uh, man, I, so that's, gotten me more excited in having conversations with people of like trying to find try, trying to see more of reality through their perspective and trying to trying to figure out like oh you're an entomologist tell me what you see like what's what am i blind to right now that uh that that is jumping out to you as as really interesting um yeah so it's it's like a new way that i've been framing conversations with uh meeting people uh that's all i have on that anything else on on, on lucky um just that sometimes I actually kind of get depressed that I'll never like experience those things. Like there's yeah. like infinite amount of experience you can have. And it's yeah. like, I I have this one life, right? And I'm using yeah. it to learn about computers, which is cool, but I'll never <laughs> learn about bugs the same way. <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a, what do you call a bug person? A bug person would, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. And there's, yeah, I could do that for anything. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I guess that's why we have hobbies. We can get a glimpse into uh, those worlds. But. Yeah. Yeah, man. I feel that. Um, yeah. It does. It does feel limiting, and at the same time, feels sort of exciting. Of like, there's limitless potential. If I wanted to chuck my computer in the river and just learn a bunch about bugs, like, I guess I would need my computer. That would be an effective way to, to learn about bugs. Still, but, there's there's uh, a library. You go to the library. I could also go to the library, yeah, uh, or like intern with an entomologist or something, uh, or a bug person. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It 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 from more of a. Like, I find myself when I'm feeling more uh, depressed or, like, more... Uh, if there's something going on in my life or, like, if I'm sleep-deprived, I tend to look at this sort of problem as, like, limiting and scarcity. Uh, that, like, how terrible is it that I can't have all the things? But then if I'm feeling in a better mood, it feels much more like it's exciting that there's this limitless potential. And it's the same external environment. I think it's just, like, what my mood is in the moment. Um, like when I go to the Cheesecake Factory and I look at the menu and it's like 60 pages long sometimes I go there and I'm like wow 60 pages of stuff how exciting I could, I could order anything and then sometimes I go to the Cheesecake Factory and I'm like oh god like, what if I ordered the wrong thing or what if there could have been a better thing like the menu hasn't changed it's just my, my perception of the menu has changed um, based on if I'm feeling positive or negative yeah, just about like, life in general it's like a gro growth mindset kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like Dweck. yeah, yeah uh cool two more things i would love to talk to you about uh even though i was traveling and didn't open up the file inbox code base for this entire last two weeks i still got stuff done because i had a call with rachel 
uh, before I left, and I had a call with Rachel a few days ago, and before I left, I was like, hey, a thing I'd like to do that, by the way, I'm very scared of doing is cold calling uh, businesses in these categories local to Dallas. Uh, can you please put together a spreadsheet of 10 people from each of these verticals uh, to so that I can call them? Uh, or I think, I think I said 20 people from these three verticals. Uh, and she said, yes, of course, I'm your personal assistant and you pay me to do things that you told me to do. And I was like, wow, that's still surprising to me, but amazing. Right. Uh, and after having like a week and a half of vacation, during which I was not worried about customer support email at all because awesome. she handled it. Like, ah, uh, so so part of the building a second brain stuff that I was running through was uh, I, I re-looked at all of my goals. I go through maybe once every six or 12 months, I just write out what my goals are and the things that I want. Uh, and consistently from like 20, 2014, when I started doing this once a year, I would write down, like, I really want a personal assistant. That would just be great. Uh, and related to that, I would really love to solve customer support emails. And now here I am, I've done it past Christian. We've achieved it I, and it's great. <laughs> it's even better than we thought it would be. Um, so that felt really cool. Uh, and then having the call with her, uh, she was like, by the way, that thing you told me to do, I did it. And I was like, amazing. I tell you to do stuff and then you do it. This is so cool. Um, so I have now sitting for me in Notion uh, this beautiful spreadsheet of 60 local businesses with a phone right. number and an email uh, that I can just go down. Don't even have to think about it. Just go down and cold call them. And I'm terrified. And uh, I'm going to do it. And I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I would, I would like for my... Okay, this is a good question for you. Yeah. Because I... You, you know very well, like, the, the stage of development that I'm in in File Inbox. Um, you asked me the question a couple weeks ago, like, is the new version better than the old version yet? And mm -hmm. I was embarrassed to say no. Uh, I'm, like, one feature away from it being better, though, which is building this Dropbox uh, and Google Drive integration. And then I could just start shuffling people over, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll have reached my goal of feeling unencumbered with the tech debt and also with Rachel doing customer support emails that like I'll, I will genuinely feel like I can just put two feet in marketing and, and just keep doing that. How would you be thinking about like, like for my work tomorrow, should I be racing as fast as I can to finishing this Dropbox and Google drive integration? Or should I be starting right away? Like, like should I do half and half where I, I do half my time doing development and half my time doing marketing should I be working twice as much? Uh, how, how, how would you be framing that? This is what I would do. Um, you have a spreadsheet that is scary to you. Yes. Uh, I would spend the first palm tomorrow, uh, which I'm going to be on the call with you for, so you sure I will. can force you to do this, uh, calling the first one. Okay. Just call one. Okay. Call one. Okay. Uh, because one is easy. Right. Yep. I mean, it's scary, but it's easy. Yep. It's just one. Yep. And then you've broken, broken the seal. Um, yep. Your job is not to close them. Your job is just to talk to them. That's, yes. the, that's the whole point. And that will, I think, completely reframe how you're thinking about everything. Um, once you have done one, you will know how hard it was. You'll know how easy it was. You'll know what they said. You'll know, like, it'll just totally change how you're thinking about it. So before you make any plans, I would call one. That's what I'd do. That is so reasonable and a really good suggestion. Okay. Tomorrow... I'm going to call one person from the list Great. and I'm just going to do a deploy empathy style interview. Just asking them, Hey, I'm a local software developer. Uh, do you have 10 or 15 minutes for me to ask you a few questions about the software you're using? I'm not trying to sell you anything. Uh, just, I just want to hear you complain about software you like or don't like. Yep. Yeah. And if I got that call, like consistently people I've talked to, like software is weird, right? Cause <laughs> everyone depends on it, but it's really, it's like, a, it's like, it's like cars. 
Like, mm. no one knows how a car works, but everyone needs a mechanic. And I feel like if someone called me and was like, hey, do you want to complain about things you don't like about your car? I'd be like, of course, I'd love to. <laughs> I, no one's listening to me when I try to, 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 to complain about it. Um, just just like we just said, like they've spent 20 years in their business, right? Or whatever. Yeah. You've spent 20, whatever, 10 years with computers. Yeah. Uh, of course they want to talk to you about computers because they don't know computers. They know their business. Yeah. And so, yeah, you yeah. know, if you are able to talk to them about computers, great. Cool. So, you know, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That. Okay. This is becoming less scary. Whew. We're going to do it. It's fine. Um, two other things in that category. Um, I am looking for more things for Rachel to be doing. Um, and she mentioned that through uh, Squared Away, which is the, the consulting agency that I hired her through, um, they offer training in QuickBooks. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, yeah, categorizing QuickBooks would be a, a great thing for you to do. So that's going to be another thing that I push off to her. Um, and then as a snapshot, uh, I'm currently at 4,600 uh, MRR for File Inbox. Uh, that's something I'd like to be talking about every episode, just like checking in uh, that that's so, so we can track over time, like where MRR goes. Uh, that's all for File Inbox. Anything else? Uh, if I remember right, you wanted to get that 20K in 12 months. Is that right? That's correct. And I think we're already a month into that because I went on vacation yep. immediately yep. after. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right. Uh, good, yeah. good, good to check in. Yep. <laughs> I, was, I was talking with a friend about this uh, and I was like, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to get to 20k. Uh, and he was like, "What are you at now?" And I was like, uh, "I think like four and a half. And he was like, "Okay, so if my calculations are correct, all you need to do is uh, earn like 4.2 times more." And I was like, "Okay, calm down. <laughs> um, that's not helpful at all." Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Last thing, um, I had a few more hours that I spent towards the two consulting projects I was doing: the one for Brian doing the face following, and the one for Trig doing something mysterious involving text messages. Um, on Trig's app, I spent another three hours uh, during these weird hours while I was in Greece where I was up at like four in the morning uh, while still jet lagged. Uh, so the, the total amount that I worked on that, uh, so the total amount I charged him was $2,412. Uh, before doing this extra work, uh, I had made $183 an hour. Now with this extra work, that went down to $150 an hour. Still something I'm totally comfortable with. Um, this was following your advice of like, if it's a small change, just do it for free. You don't need to like yeah. negotiate or something. And I'm happy I did that because uh, it was sort of in scope. And yeah, so I'm, I'm still feeling good about that. Um, and then the uh, face following thing for Brian, um, I had previously spent nine hours and 30 minutes. Um, and that was the job that I did for $6,969.69. Yep. Uh, and so the previous hour rate was $536.13 an hour, which felt obscene. It felt like too much money. Uh, and I spent another, oh, and at the time, oh, hold on, hold on. I, that, that would have been if I had spent 13 hours on it, um, mm-hmm. which was like my estimate of how much I thought it would be to, to, uh, to finish it up. Uh, to date, I've spent 19 hours on it, which is more than 13 and it's not quite done. I need to talk with him though, about ironing out like exactly how he wants it. it there's like a functional thing, but it's not very efficient so, and I can cut corners in different ways and I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't quite know which corners to get. So, uh, currently, it's still not done. Done, uh, but my hourly rate went from five hundred and thirty-six dollars to three hundred sixty-seven dollars, which is a lot less, but feels much less obscene. That like I feel like I'm actually <laughs> earning the right. money. Yeah. Uh, so that's my update on consulting jobs. Uh, right. Still making a lot of money. I like 
I like the idea of like making more immediate money and I would so much rather be earning higher MRR. Hmm. Um, yeah. But it is nice to know that I can do that. It helps me feel less scarce about money when I get an email that like a customer canceled and my MRR went down by like $100 a month. Uh, right. It's nice to know that like, okay, well, I can just go and make a few thousand dollars from a project that doesn't take me that much time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we expected with, you know, fixed bid projects, you have to do some follow-up work and that'll drop your MRR. Um, with the face following one though, like that's building skills and building IP that you can use for future projects. So that's yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, even the trig one is like, you'll be able to use those skills in the future. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's not, what really hurts is when you have a giant, uh, you know, a giant project that goes over by like double and then you're like, you know, 20K in the hole or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which has happened to me. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think those are yeah good updates. Good, cool, cool. Uh, one tiny thing I wanted to mention is that I'm switching back to iOS. Uh, oh. I think you've been on iOS for a while. I started yep. on iOS and then I've been on Android for the last few years. I think I'm ready to switch back to iOS. Um, how do you like iOS? Do you have you always been on iOS? Have you tried Android? Yeah. So when I first got a smartphone, Android was terrible i think and so i got an ios phone uh and i've been on it since then my wife's on it uh so we have ipads which are on it uh makes it very nice to and i have a mac right so it makes it very nice like my notes app syncs between them seamlessly and and everything so yeah i like it fine uh because i've never known anything different um i uh at the beginning i don't know what it's like now but you could like customize everything about an android phone which seems nice, but I remember doing that with like Ubuntu and uh, wasting tons of time customizing stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like, I'm like, iOS just does it for you, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I treat my iPhone, like I've delete, I've also deleted uh, a ton of stuff from it. Like my, my homepage is only two rows of apps now. Hmm. Um, and so I treat my phone more like a, yeah, I don't know, I don't know less like an appliance and more like a, a thing that only lets me get the stuff done that i need done and then mm. for everything else to go to my computer so mm. yeah i do much less on my computer like, like or um, on my phone like it's way more important to me about the uh the camera quality for example now yeah, yeah. than anything else because like i take pictures of my kids with my phone right so yeah. the camera has to be great um so yeah i like it cool that makes a lot of sense to me i switched to android for the customization and i'm not currently and haven't in a long time been using any of that customization right ability so uh and I, I was on a call with someone the other day and they uh they were like oh let's trade numbers and he texted me and he was like oh you're not on iphone and i was like that's correct i'm on android and he was like why and i was like huh <laughs> why? why that's a good question that's that's not something i've thought about in a while um and then sarah's phone uh broke while we were in greece which that was spicy we had to, mm. like now we're just relying on one phone but we were able to get through just fine um and we were looking at different phones to get. And uh, I had been thinking about switching to iOS. And so she's now switched over. And she got an Apple Watch and an iPhone. And my gosh, they just work so well together. You, yep. you set an alarm on one, and then it goes off on both of them. And then you just miss it on one, and it immediately goes off on the other one. And you, all the apps have Apple Watch apps. And it's just so good. You can trade off calls, and the, the ecosystem is just so well-tuned. Um, meanwhile, on Android, like... Gosh, there have been like a, a dozen little stupid things where I'm like, this is a phone made by Google and they made the operating system. They're like, this is a stupid bug. Why is it? This shouldn't right. be happening right now. Um, little stupid things in the UI and, and 
ways that different things are working and like apps aren't as well optimized because when you're an app developer for Android, you got to support like a thousand different phones. But if you're making an iOS app, it's like six phones or, or like 90%, 95% of um, yeah. what the users are, are going to be on. Um, yeah. I think it's like iOS, if you follow the mainstream, like if you don't customize very much and you like, then, then it's great. As mm. soon as you try to like customize stuff or sync stuff in a slightly different way or something, then it breaks horribly. And that's yeah. what Android's really good at. But mm. yeah, if you just want to do like what everybody else is doing or use your phone super simply, kind of like mm. I am trying to do, then iOS is great. Yeah. And I think your attitude towards a phone of just using it as, uh, for, to get specific tasks done. You're trying to take pictures, you're trying to take notes, uh, three other things. Um, that's a healthy way to use phones. I I was in this campus uh, at, at my alma mater. It was this uh, presentation that this woman was giving where she was talking about uh, digital addiction and like uh, mental health as it relates to social media. And she had everyone in the room pull up their usage statistics on social media to see like, okay, how many hours today so far and yeah. this was happening at like 1 p.m.? Uh, have you spent on Instagram and Facebook and, and whatever else they were using? And I looked at it and it was like, oh, like five minutes. And everyone else in the room was like three hours. And I was like, three yeah. hours? <laughs> what, <laughs> yep. Is this your yeah. job? What are you doing? Um, that's not healthy. That's like, this is this is going to be the, the akin to smoking for, for this generation. Um, if you're using your phone like that, it's, it's an addiction. Uh, and I, I have had moments in my life where I've slipped into that and uh, I want to be consciously pulling myself back towards like a phone is for getting things done and uh, I need to be conscious about the, if the things I'm doing on a phone are things that I actually want to be doing. Um, we should all be goat farmers. I think we, that's the, the yeah. key takeaway. Yeah. Goat farmers with like an electronic notebook and a way to call <laughs> people and a way to Google things and look at YouTube videos, but not like, not like I, don't want to, I don't want YouTube to suggest things to me. I want to be able to ask YouTube, can you teach me how to milk a goat a little bit better? Right. And I want them to show me videos about that and then stop and nothing else. <laughs> I don't care about what Kylie Jenner's up to. I don't want to know about <laughs> terrible things happening in the world unless like, I don't know, maybe that's part of my social responsibility. Uh, if they're like, if it's a big, if there's a war going on, I want to know about the war. If there's maybe a place I can send some money, I guess I would like to know that. Even then though, maybe I just want to like give some money to someone else who's going to decide where that's going to go. It's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just, I just want to. I want my device to serve me instead of mm, having yeah. other people steal my attention. Um, cool. We covered everything I wanted to cover. Uh, anything yeah. else? Nope. That's it. Then that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>